Have you ever sat through a Release Society lesson, heard an inspirational story about a woman who was born decades or even centuries before you, then wondered how in the world could her life possibly be relevant to yours? Well, that's what this podcast is all about. Welcome to the Latter-day Saint Women Podcast. I'm your host, Shaylin Back, and today we have two special guests with us. We have Elizabeth Keene. She is a historian with the Joseph Smith Papers. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for joining us. We also have Katie Perez, and Katie is a stay-at-home mom of two, and she has read the discourses in At the Pulpit. And so she's joining us today to provide her insight and experiences and ask any questions that she has. So we're so glad you're here, Katie. Thanks. So the address that we are talking about today, it's called The Unknown Treasure, and it was given by Uta Busha, and she is from Germany originally. And so let's learn a little bit more about her. Elizabeth, what can you share about Uta? So she grows up in war-torn Germany. She's born in the 1930s, and she experiences the war and the aftermath of the war in Dortmund, Germany. Oh, wow. So she does share a little bit. She kind of starts out with a good-humored story, but it doesn't really, she doesn't dive too much into the horrific circumstances that she's in. So she does start by saying that she was a tomboy, and one time at dinner, they they didn't know where she was, and her brothers had forgotten her because they tied her to a tree. And so anyway, just right. funny playing like their that. war stories, I guess. Right, yeah, but then there's these other horrific things that we hear about. So let's talk a little bit about that. Okay, so just a little bit of background. Dortmund actually experiences quite a lot of Allied bombing during World War II. It has oil reserves, and so it's a a key point that the Allies are trying to kind of neutralize. And so she talks about going to a a bombing shelter um, because of the excessive bombing that the city experienced. And um, historians have estimated that over 60% of Dortmund's homes were destroyed in the war period. And that bombing shelter, was it... A railroad car or what? Yeah, so it seems to be some kind of like underground, um, maybe what we'd think of as like a metro or a subway where there's rail cars that you would sleep in that would be a little bit more protected from bombing runs. Yeah, while I was reading that, it said that she went alone. She'd pack a little bag at night and go alone. And I just kind of wondered, why didn't she go with her family? Why didn't she stay home? Why was she doing this alone? Yeah, I, I have no idea why she's doing it alone. She talks about doing it because she was scared. So maybe it's because her siblings and her mother aren't scared. I, I don't know. That, w- that was really surprising to me, too. So she talks about growing up in a home that wasn't particularly religious. Uh, she shares a story about her father when a relative came to visit and he was just saying, okay, when she's here, we have to pray (laughs) over the food. And she just remembers thinking how comical it was that he was praying for the food. But then she also says that frequently at night, she would kneel by her own bed. And let's just listen to what she says about this. As I was growing up frequently in the evening, I knelt at my bedside out of my own initiative or my own desire to pray to my Heavenly Father because I felt in my heart that there must be someone whom I could trust and love someone who knew me and cared about me. Because of my lack of a religious foundation in my youth, even now I have a tendency to feel almost envious of young people who are privileged to be part of a large family that is well grounded in the restored gospel. So I just think what she had faith 
you know, and it would be hard not really knowing who about who you're praying to. But I just thought that was neat about her. Right. I found it really interesting that though she talks about this lack of religious education, she has this like innate spiritual understanding of having a heavenly father. And even though she loses siblings during the war because of lack of medical care, she talks about filling their spirits and kind of feeling comforted by their presence. Oh, wow. So when did she meet the missionaries? It was in the 1950s in Dortmund, I believe. So and she was married when she met the missionaries. And she said that she and her husband hadn't been married too long and their first son was only three months old. But I thought this was a little bit funny. She said that they told her about the angels and golden plates and she was intrigued enough that she wanted to learn why such nice men believed in such strange things. (laughs) Yeah, I found that really humorous. And I also found it really compelling that she talked about how their honesty captivated her and that their attachment to their families I think you see from her earlier story, she's very close to her family, her siblings, and I think she sees that in the missionaries as well. Yeah, and especially the siblings that have passed away, you know, and so it probably gave, the restored gospel gave her a lot of hope in that. Definitely. So her talk is called The Unknown Treasure. What is The Unknown Treasure? What does she say that that is? So at the conclusion of the talk, she actually defines The Unknown Treasure for us, Um, and she says that it's the knowledge that we're children of God, um, and that we come, that when we come to truly recognize this about ourselves, that we'll know that we're entitled to the power that comes from God or the Holy Ghost. And then with this knowledge, we can then trust him to lead our lives and kind of shape our lives the way that he will. I think it's just a really, you know, powerful topic. The The topic of the women's conference that she's speaking at was the power within. And I think she really captures it with this keynote address. The Holy Ghost is our power within. So she gave this talk in 1990. So it's been, you know, about about 30 years ago. And I just thought it was neat how she talked about truth being twofold. This was kind of a new concept to me. She says that we have the truths of the restored gospel, and that's like a, a kind of a map of the eternities for us. But then she said, also, there's the skill of being truthful with yourself and others, and it leads to genuine respect and integrity. So I wanted to talk about uh, this experience that she shares when she first moved to the United States. Uh, she moved to Utah, and she was called as a Relief Society teacher. And so just remember her background. She's you know from war-torn Germany. She says herself that she has poor English, and she listened to this um, story. She says, I continue to feel inferior as I watched the sisters in my ward and saw them planting gardens and canning the produce. They exercised daily by jogging. They sewed and bargain shopped. They went on hard fund drives and served as PTA officers. They took dinners to new mothers and the sick in the neighborhoods. They took care of an aged parent or two. They climbed Mount Timpanogos. They drove their children to and from music or dancing lessons. They were faithful in doing temple work every week, and they worried about catching up on their journals. So she just describes herself as feeling disappointed in herself and guilty and felt like a failure. What did you guys think after reading this? Well, I could relate to that because I feel like with how big social media is nowadays, we're seeing the best, you know, we're seeing everyone else's best and we're comparing our worst to theirs. And so I've seen that even in my own life, you know, kind of 
my husband reached a point where he's like, stop talking about that. Cause I'd be like, they went on this vacation and they did this. And instead of focusing on everything that's good in my life, you know? Right. I think the dangers of comparison she highlights here. And I just, I found it so, I don't know, comforting when she talked about like the self doubt and the sense of failure. I mean, I know I struggle from this kind of desire for perfectionism and, you know, wanting to get it all right the first time and wanting to fit in. You know, she talks about the the dangers of conforming, actually, Mm -hmm. and found that when she tried to hold herself up to this fictional standard that she saw around her, that she could never measure up because it wasn't who she was and she had to be true to herself. Well, because I think she was excited to be a Relief Society teacher. Yeah. And then she saw the perfection of the women in their teaching ability, but then also in their lives, seeming perfection. Right. I mean, from her perspective. So what happened when she learned about a stake training, I guess, for the Relief Society teachers? What happened there? So she says she's really excited to get some training, right? She's got some discomfort with her English skills, and she's thinking, you know, this will solve my problems. And she goes, and she's confronted with the question of, what will be your centerpiece? And she says, I didn't even know what a centerpiece (laughs) was. You know, I I felt incompetent. Like, how could I not have this answer? And, And, you know, in her scope, she's hoping to learn about teaching, And they're talking about like presentation and the niceties of of making it pretty, right? And so it's this really kind of disconnect. Right. Talking about being true to yourself, she did not feel like herself was good enough, which is so sad. She said she could have benefited from the story of a six-year-old who, when asked by a relative, what do you want to be? He said, I think I'll just be myself. I've tried to be like someone else and I have failed each time. And that, to me, is so inspiring. (laughs) Just in every aspect of life. So regardless of our callings at church. No, I love that story. And she shared further. And I don't know if this was in the the printed version, but it's in the version of the the original audio of the talk on churchhistorianspress.org, where she says, quote, I had to overcome the feeling that if I didn't conform, then I didn't measure up. And she stresses that that's not how Heavenly Father's measuring us. She says, I did not need to compete with others to be loved and accepted by my Heavenly Father. And I I just thought, I love that. Yeah. There is another quote that she shares from Marcus Aurelius. um, And it says, look within. Within is the fountain of good, and it will ever bubble up if thou wilt ever dig. I love that. One of the stories that she tells that I really love is about going to meet with um, her, I think, 11-year-old son's teacher, who's had some concerns and kind of expresses some negative comments about his abilities with math. Um, She actually decided to, like, rephrase how the teacher said it. Um, And I loved what she said because she said uh, she told him the teacher recognized his talent for math. Only his lack of diligence would separate him from great achievements. Her son took it to heart and became the best student of math in his class. And I just love that. She says, I do do not even dare to think what would have become of him had I told the teacher's negative remarks. And so for me as a mom, I try to do positive affirmations with my kids. And I feel like it makes a difference in how they view themselves and and how they are. Elizabeth, I love what you said about she her feeling like she needed to conform because she actually shares a scripture in Romans uh, that says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, she said when she tried to conform, it blocked her from being transformed. And I loved that. So I wanted to know if either of you have felt like that when you've tried to conform and you've failed. Yeah, I think I think we're often faced with that in the church where we don't want to be vulnerable. We don't want to show kind of our weaknesses or our flaws and say, 
look, I fit in a different category. I'm not your stereotypical whatever label you want to put on. You know, I'm an outsider and I feel like an outsider. And I think we can often hurt ourselves the way that that Sister Busha shows when when we're not being true ourselves. We're not recognizing where our talents lie and how we can be using those for the sake of the gospel. So she talks about going on walks and seeing their beautifully tended homes and it looks like everything is great. And then, but she said some of these sisters would share their uh testimonies and talk about these these trials and challenges that they're experiencing. And so just going back to what you said, Katie, about now where we have social media in front of us. So it's not just us walking down the street, seeing people's perfectly manicured homes and lawns and everything like that, but we're being bombarded with pictures. And I am totally guilty of this. I just took a picture the other day, very strategically of maybe one of two spots that was clean in my house. (laughs) And I posted on Instagram. And so I just, I know that I'm doing it. But you know, how can we overcome that and be vulnerable and share more real feelings, whether it's in testimony meeting or other situations? I think that people like the realness. I'm guilty the same as you are. It's like, my kids will be screaming in like 10 of the pictures and I post the one that they're like, perfect, happy, you know. But I don't know. I genuinely like when I meet someone and I feel like they're real with me and I feel like I can be myself back. And I think Sister Busha would love that, right? You're being <laughs> true to yourself. I think that's one of her like core messages in, in this discourse and one that I took a lot of comfort in when it's mm-hmm. like when you try and be authentic, it leaves you vulnerable. It leaves mm-hmm. you kind of hoping that people are are accepting that realness and not judging you for it. Mm -hmm. I want to share this experience from earlier in her in her life. I just think it is indicative of her personality. Her husband um, was actually called by President Spencer W. Kimball to join the first quorum of the 70. And that's a full time position that would require them to move from their home. So President Kimball met with um, Utah and asked her what she thought of the invitation and she said I want to die and I just thought that was so interesting that she it was so overwhelming to her and out of her comfort zone but she did it and she went on to have these great experiences she was called to be the matron of the Frankfurt Temple and she was actually the first matron so here she was trying to you know basically set up help set up the organization of the temple and everything and she just taught everybody to smile and be authentic and and happy because that's the experience she wanted people to have when they came to the temple. And I feel like that's the experience that she wants everybody to have always. And I just think that that's a really neat example of her personality. What a privilege and what a blessing it was for me to serve as a as a matron in the Frankfurt Temple. It was the two most important years of my life. I had to depend constantly on the Spirit, otherwise it would have been impossible for me to succeed. The challenge to establish the temple functionally seemed to be so overwhelming, but the more overwhelming the tasks are, the more we tend to understand that there is only one who can help, and that is our Heavenly Father. So as you read about her experiences and and heard her talk, how does this talk influence the way that you that you treat others and interact with others? I think it goes back to that the the idea of the unknown treasure that we're all children 
of Heavenly Father, right? That we all share this kind of brotherhood and sisterhood and how she's stressing this like love that we should have for each other. In a, a later interview that she did um, a couple years ago about At the Pulpit and being included in, in this you know book with all these prominent women, she was asked um, about kind of her experience. And again, you get some of this great genuineness from her. They, they ask her, when you were asked to give the talk, how did you react? She said, I, I almost fainted. <laughs> you know, it goes back to that, you know, experience with Spencer W. Kimball and just feeling completely overwhelmed and being very honest about it. Mm-hmm. But she also talks about how she wouldn't change her original message. And that original message that we're children of Heavenly Father for her still resonates 20, 30 years later and is even more important now than, than it was then for her. It is such a timeless message. And why why do you think, Elizabeth, that this address was included in At the Pulpit? One of the one of the great things that At the Pulpit was able to do, um, even though I, I didn't have the pleasure of working on it, uh, but I worked with some of the, the women who did. And one thing that they were looking for is women who were teaching doctrine and who were expounding doctrines that hadn't been fully explored. And I feel like one thing that Sister Busha does here is unpack what it means to be a child of God and how we should be treating each other and how we should be treating ourselves. This concept of self-honesty that she stresses, I think, is so profound when we think about it in a spiritual sense, that we have to be honest to ourselves and to our Heavenly Father, right? And that means recognizing where our weaknesses are, recognizing where we need to repent and where we can do better. Thank you so much for sharing, um, Elizabeth and Katie, both of your experiences and insights into this talk. I hope that our listeners are following along in At the Pulpit. And with this talk and with, with some others, there are audio recordings, so you can actually hear the speaker give their address, which I think is a really neat thing. We hope that you'll continue joining us. So thank you again for listening. I'm your host, Shailen Back. 